When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Who's the, who's the guy that's, that's, that's oh, the natural? Maybe I'm, I don't know. It's a baseball movie. I don't pay attention to those movies. <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> it's going to be if we mix up any more of our movies tonight. <laughs> Good day, eh? Welcome to episode 35 of SpotCast. <laughs> My name is Timitra, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline over in Mississauga, Ontario. How's it going, eh? And Jaime Lopez <laughs> over in uh, Seattle, Washington has no idea what we're doing. How's it going? And I, I don't, other than um, in a different channel, I'd mentioned that somebody had, uh, uh, yet another person, this happens on, you know, a, not a regular basis, but more of an occasional recurring basis that somebody will believe that I'm Canadian and uh, ask me if I am. I always have to tell them, like, well, I've, I have been uh, communicating diligently with Canadians for several years now, so I probably have picked up a little bit of the accent. Yeah. Did you do the Duolingo course on Canadian or something? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a story online today that uh, there's a petition online to sell Montana to Canada. Have you guys, oh, really? Have you guys seen this one? No. So, so there's a story online that uh, somebody, as a in, in jest, suggested that uh, America sell Montana to Canada for one trillion dollars to try and lower the uh, U.S. economic deficit, and right. uh, it's got twelve thousand signatures online with a bunch of people saying, "Yeah, this would be great. We get more hockey rinks and uh, better health care." So that's uh, funny. I, I was thinking, you know, maybe Jaime, you should start one for uh, Washington State. Yeah, they can get vaccines, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, we do need those. Uh, um, vaccines from Vancouver down to the other Vancouver. <laughs> vaccines for all. The joke's on you guys is we don't have that kind of money to buy the place. But do, do, you, do you know who John Brenner, no, David Brenner is, Jonathan? Yeah. Okay, I, I think I told you years and years ago that I was watching him. I think it was on Mike Douglas and he said that, yeah, Canada should sell Canada to, or sh should sell ourselves to the United States. And then for for like
like, you know, a billion dollars or something like that, right? And then we'd all be millionaires living in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Just evenly distribute that amongst 30 million people. That's it. Yeah, There's only like, like 36 million of us. Like, you know, we'll, we'll take a million a pop. Yeah, yeah. That was a great idea. All righty. Let's look at the fact check, shall we? Jonathan, yes, indeed. Here? Well, this uh, a fact check from uh, episode 34. So 2027, our good friend Jaime was uh, trying to remember the dates when uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is set to open at Disneyland and Disney World. And he was absolutely correct. Uh, Galaxy's Edge is opening at Disneyland in summer 2019 and opening at Disney World in late fall 2019. So good job, buddy. So, so how's that a fact check then? Well, we, he was saying in the episode, I'm not sure we'll have to fact check that one. So so I went to the, uh, the the internet and made sure that we were right. So for those people who weren't sure that we were right, we were right. Uh, All right. Yeah. Confirmed. Uh, 2225. Uh, I mentioned that the Terminator was uh, 1983. It was actually 1984. Uh, 4405. We were talking about the uh, Star Trek Discovery's sister ship uh, on Discovery. And uh, we thought it was the Grissom, but it was actually the Glenn, USS Glenn. Is that the one with the distorted people that they found? That was, in, like, yeah, the that was the one from episode? like... Like episode three or four of the first season where the people got smooshed and uh, it was the right. other one with the spore drive. And yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Presumably right. named after John Glenn, but uh, yeah, it was the ship that they scuttled and fired a couple of torpedoes and did it get rid of. One fourteen fifty two. the actress who played Judith, uh, John Cryer's character's wife on Two and a Half Men and is now starring on uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is Marin Hinkle. Her name. Mm, Marin Hinkle. And Tim, mm. you had one more piece of fact check for us? Yeah. I was talking about the TV show Cardinal, which is in its third season on, I guess, CTV. I don't know if it's like an American. I think it's a Canadian show. I don't know if it's shown in the States. But Billy Campbell is the actor. I was trying to remember the name of. And and I saw him on Helix. I don't know if you saw the sci-fi show Hel- uh, Helix a couple of years ago. Um, but he was also the Rocketeer, turns out. Oh, yeah, and Billy he, Campbell. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think, he, I think he said he auditioned for Han Solo. Han Solo? Sorry, Tammy. Han Solo? Yeah. So, yeah, from back in the day. Who knows? Who knew? So, and then uh, Kareen uh, Vaness, here we go. With, I should get Jaime to pronounce his name. Uh, Kareen uh, Vanessal is uh, is the French Canadian actress who plays his partner on the show. It's it takes place like uh, they, they mention Algonquin Park from time to time. So it's sort of like the Algonquin Police. It's sort of north of you know the north end of uh, of Ontario, I think. Right, it's where this show fictitious show takes place. I mean, it's, it's like a procedural, like a cop show. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, it started out with um, uh, he is invest. He's sort of a you know it it, it, it not this is. This this is a brand new trope. It's like, you know, a, a cop with a questionable past and, you know, like has some, you know, issues that he's struggling with. And, you know, that's th- never th- been done never before. That's genius. never been done before. I know it's totally new. And um, yeah, so he ends up in this this northern town and he's investigating a uh, death of an Aboriginal woman or sorry, a, a Native indigenous. Canadian woman. Indigenous. indigenous Canadian woman. Native Canadian, isn't it? No, uh, indigenous is the preferred term in Canada. Now. Okay. Investing the, investigating the death of an indigenous woman uh, at a casino and uh yeah it turns out she's the actually um ensign row what's who plays ensign row michelle forbes michelle forbes is her mother who's you know like a tough you know tough as nails character and the husband and yeah so there's some sort of this some question of what goes on in the family and why this girl was up at the casino i guess she wasn't uh i guess she wasn't uh, indigenous she must have been like you know one of the local girls who was working at the casino i guess mm. anywho um yeah and it, it turns out to be this big long or am i thinking no wait i mean you know, I'm getting that mixed up with the killing. <sighs> 
<laughs> Take two. Yeah, I think, well, it's very much like the killing. <laughs> no, I think he investigates some sort of serial murder or something like that. And, and, and it goes on through the whole thing. And, of course, he's got history. He's got his separated from his wife and sort of starts to hold angst about what's going on with his wife and his daughters, you know, living in the city down in Toronto. And she comes up and... Yeah, so it's an interesting story. Long, you know, the 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 arc runs over the whole series, sort of thing. Um, yeah, and it's um, I don't know, I like the theme song, and it's good, good little. Co- I, and I, you know, I swore off cop dramas, you know, and yet here I am watching Luther and and uh, and Cardinal. It's very strange. And now I'm watching The Rookie too, which stars you know uh, um, Captain Nathan, Reynolds, right? Nathan Fillion, yeah. yes, indeed, another yeah. proud Canadian boy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, now let's get into the headlines. Take it away, Jaime. Yeah, um, sorry, I was a little confused when he said the rookie, and I said the one about the baseball kid who yeah, breaks, that one breaks his arm and becomes a major league pitcher. Yeah, yeah or no. maybe that's rookie of the year. Actually, I have to look that up. Well, I think that is called the rookie with with uh, uh, Keech, Stacy Keech. Is that right? No, not Stacy Keech. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Albert Brooks. Is Albert Brooks in the in the rookie? No, he's a comedian, right? Yeah. No, who's the who's the guy that the, 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 oh the natural? Maybe I'm I don't know. It's a baseball movie. I don't pay attention to those. There's no crying in baseball. (laughs) It's going to be if we mix up any more of our movies tonight. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, on to the headlines. Yeah. In this case, there's um, really good news for CBS because their their head honcho, the chief, has said that uh, All Access has hit the 4 million subscriber goal early. Uh, people are saying so it's, it's free about from now on because it's well <laughs> funny you should say some of that stuff because uh, the context is they have 8 million subscribers combined between um, what is it Showtime and CBS All Access and they said it's roughly 50-50 so just split it exactly to make it you know easy math roughly 4 million subscribers for CBS All Access so or for folks like me in the United States and this is the only way you know the only legal way by which we can obtain Star Trek Discovery and I think that's a pretty pretty big success for them right like if you just focus on CBS All Access. They took their premium property they had, the one property they had. Yes, there are some other things available now, like kind of more minor things, I think, not the kind that people say, holy smokes, I have to pay $5.99 a month to watch that. So I'd, I'd say the vast majority, uh, call it 75% is, you know, discovery related, which would make it, you know, three-ish million people doing that. So that's good for them in terms of longevity and having bucks. And talking of bucks, they're like, hey, you know what? We really like this deal we have with Netflix to pay for all this stuff so we can distribute it to other countries. And then on top of that, they said, you know, maybe it's not such a bad idea to have previous seasons of our CBS All Access content be available for free on the main broadcast network, CBS. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I've seen this already for something. I want to say it's like The Good Wife or The Good Fight. One good is a, Fight, is a, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. One is a spinoff of the other. And so yeah. The Good Fight is the more recent one. I think so. Yes. Okay. So I've seen commercials that say, oh, watch, you know, season one of the good wife or sorry good fight on cbs uh, presumably because season two is about to start or has already started i'm, I'm not clear which because i have i'm not a watcher of that show but it, it kind of makes sense of like it, they got to put content somewhere on, on the network right and why not use content you've already paid for as a you know yes we can get subscribe sorry we can get advertisers to promote you know huggies and coca-cola to people who just have normal over-the-air television and then maybe some number of those people 
people like, wow, I love that season. I sure would like to watch the most current season. And boom, there's their five ninety nine a month to go watch CBS All Access. Sorry, I, I, I flagged this too. So this was an interesting story because it raises two questions. One, so does that mean that they would put it in primetime? They didn't really make that clear where they would put it. Like, are, are they envisioning like, we'll go back and show season one of Discovery in primetime airtime, and then hopefully people will like it? The other issue that's raised is one that I think Tim and I are very familiar with and a lot of Canadian listeners might be familiar with too, which is that the episodes that are made for CBS All Access are longer than would be network runtime. So they would either have to trim them or they'll have to do what they do here on space and run them 15 minutes long mm-hmm. to get commercials right, in. Right. So that's um, that's an interesting sort of question wrinkle. Or oh. cut the risky bits out. Well, I mean, they'd have to cut the F-words out because they use the F-words in the uh, in the discovery on CBS oh, All true, Access yeah. too, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's that Klingon stuff. There is a true. little bit of graphic Klingon action in there too, yes, that would have to come out. So it, it's, it's an interesting, like it's really cool that they're talking about this because obviously it would get it to a wider audience and it, I think it's a reflection of uh, the success that they're seeing but but there's some really interesting logistical questions there too. I look at it from another point of view so it's $5.99 times $4 million per month that's $20 million per month, is that right? Yes, I think. And then you multiply that up by 12, what do you end up with? Like, I mean, what does a show like Star Trek cost to make? And where are they, you know, like, what are we talking about? 12 million, or sorry, 20 million times 12 is what? A lot of millions, right? Yep. Yeah. $250 million-ish. I apologize if we covered it somewhere else, if we had like a more official number, but I could have sworn I heard somebody say, well, it seems like they're roughly covering the production cost of Discovery on the Netflix um, deal. Oh, on the Mexico, yeah, the deal with them right so okay, just get yeah. like a boatload of cash for the rights to distribute that and, and they must must be doing well with a canadian deal too right that could have, that's a separate mm-hmm. deal oh this this yeah to space you mean right is that what you said jonathan yeah to space it's a separate deal here again we're not a huge market but they must be getting a few million bucks off that too that's true yeah 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 and, and so you would figure that the all access subscribers are just gravy on top and i can see why they, they would say how can i how can I continue to use this content that's already paid for and make even more money off of it i would have thought they did the math on the on the all access people because i mean the you know netflix you know while netflix seems to be a, a, a given thing netflix probably has like a walmart kind of rule where you know you will you can do business with us but you got to chop like this and you got to sell it for that and you know they probably because they have a lot of buying power they and you know because they have they have bums in seats which is what uh, anybody distributing a show wants right they probably have the right to say or the clout to say you know we're not going to give you 20 million dollars we'll give you a 15 or something you know or 10 you know to be on our platform because i mean because there have been like like they're not doing the shorts to uh to the rest of the world or they're doing them they're doing them late now right they didn't do them at the time they were made right yeah yeah so i, I don't i don't like you know they, they'd probably calculate how they're going to make their the best bang for their buck and and you know initially out of the gate star trek is a, is a you know it's a long shot in a lot of ways i was actually talking to i've been going to see a physiotherapist recently and he was telling me that he watched a couple of episodes of star trek you know discovery liked it but just couldn't get into it you know so i'm sure there's a, a large demographic of people that you know might have started watching like you know people on cbs all access are paying for it so they're gonna they're gonna watch it but you know for those of us who get it for and i'm doing air quotes here free you know because we don't really get it for free but um uh we we have the choice not to watch it right 
Right, right. Um, and I looked this up just to make sure because I, I forgot that there was another tier. So five ninety nine is what the cheap people, such as myself, are paying. Um, that's with limited commercials, which that's you know commercial uh, dollars, advertising dollars that they're getting there. For people who don't want commercials at all, there is a nine ninety nine a month. Okay, tier. so I thought it was. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I kind of remembered vaguely that there was something like that. I I find the commercials a really good time for me to write notes for this show. So <laughs> it's kind of a win win to. You mean you don't like us and write notes while you're watching the show? I, I tried doing that, and it made taking it, you know, viewing the show like take way too long. Um, oh, I see. When we weren't recording on the same night as the show comes out, it's like, all right, what does it matter if it takes me you know two hours to watch? And it's like, all right, you know, there's a cut, you know, end of a scene, write down what happened. So my notes are a little bit more loosey goosey, and it's like, all right, what was the last ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes or so of time worth of stuff? So I have I have, I have shorthand, you know, spoilers for tonight's episode, but like Saru hulks out is something. I just copied and pasted a whole bunch of times in this episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I think I said he gets aggro. Right, yeah. <laughs> Roid rage, so Saru. I'm going to save my comments for, for the commentary, so. Mm. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story here. I mean, you can spend a minimal amount of time on the Middle Earth map that Amazon has released as its first uh, Lord of the Rings teaser for their Prime Video uh, series that they're working on there. Their equivalent of the Game of Thrones thing that they're trying to do. But they're retelling the Lord of the Rings? No, it's... it's. Uh, I, I don't think we have a lot of details, but I thought we saw something else a um, few months ago that it was going to be from like the other tales sort of stuff. Oh, the, the Saxel Baggins people or something like that? Probably like Silmarillion stuff and the, all the maybe unfinished tales and other things that are uh, pre Lord of the Rings era, I believe. The next one is the um, oh, so uh, Netflix is going to have a Transformers Origins animated series. I guess they're pretty happy about the way that the Bumblebee movie turned out, and they're just going to use that to create their own animated series. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they've got a whole wealth of talent to, to work on that. So, do you say that because of the success of Bumblebee, or I mean, maybe it was already pre-planned as like, all right, you know, if it looks like it's going to do pretty good, let's build on that. Uh, on the other hand, it seems like there have been new Transformers animated series every few years. You know, it's a it's a pretty easy concept, I think, to sell to new generations of children. Um, some have been more Pokemon Digimon style. Some have been more for like smaller kids. It, I don't know where this one falls. I'm kind of hoping since it's on Netflix, it might fall more in the um, like Jonathan mentioned, like uh, Voltron sort of like more adultish, a little bit more mature level of uh, of content. The, I looked at the trailer for this one, and it seemed like it was um, more of that cartoony ish style. It seemed a little more like the Transformers animated. Series series from 10 years ago um, just to my eyes um, and it did seem a little homage to the original series there was a, a, a scene in the trailer where uh, Megatron and Optimus Prime uh, have the sort of light hologram uh, weaponry that they had in the original series doing doing battle so uh, I wonder if it's targeted to sort of a more um, uh, nostalgic light-hearted tone than some of the, the last few series the last few series have been very much more sort of CGI heavy and a little more more, um, a little more in tune with the the film universe, a little more, um, you know, hard scrabble, you know, fighting and and conflict, and a little more, um, I don't know, dark. I guess is the best way to put it than than uh, some of the original series. Cool. cool. I was, was going to ask, how did the Bumblebee movie do in the theaters? I, I believe it did surprisingly well. Um, and really? I say, and okay. I say surprisingly well, but 
because uh, uh, I, I was not in any way interested in seeing that picture. Um, I haven't seen the last several of those uh, uh, Transformers franchise films, but I, I do remember people sort of saying, you know, oh, I went and a couple of my friends said they took their kids. And yeah, so uh, we have a budget of $135 million, box office $460 million. So again, and it was, consider again, that went up uh, in Christmas week, that went up against Aquaman, which made a billion. It went up against uh, Into the Spider-Verse. It went up against, you know, the, all the Christmas releases and stuff like that. So it's not a bad little haul for that movie, for, you know, short of a mm. half billion bucks. You know, mm-hmm. by the time you tack, tack on the, you know, digital downloads and the the Blu-rays and the, you know, Netflix sales and everything else, it'll, it'll, it'll make a, quite a chunk of change for that studio. So Well, speaking of killing Don Quixote, um, Netflix has given the axe to Punisher and Jessica Jones. So mm. season three of Jessica Jones, and I don't think there will be another season of uh, Punisher. No, um, no there is no in. season three of Jessica, Jessica Jones? There is I, a season three. Yeah, I don't think it's okay. uh, out yet. I think it's later this year. Yeah, and that'll be the last Marvel Netflix series total. Because Punisher season two has already aired, and they're not making any more. So they just basically, in one fell swoop, canceled the last two shows, and that is the end of the Marvel Netflix partnership. Interesting. Right. Sad, but inevitable. I think we all knew it was mm-hmm. coming, but uh, yeah, it was it was sad. You know, they were they were tweeting it. Uh, I saw a few of the stars of, of Jessica Jones tweeting it as, you know, this is the series finale. Like, this is sort of where they wanted to go out. And I know they had said in the past, like the, the show's creator, and I uh, can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, she was moving on to another uh, show anyways. She had moved on. So there was already some debate as to what was going to happen with that show going forward. So of all the shows, that one was sort of expected to maybe wrap up after three anyways, but still... Still sad to see that whole sort of uh, street level Marvel universe sort of implode based on what is essentially a financial transaction. Mm-hmm. You don't think it'll surface somewhere else or become a movie or something like that? Well, I mean, I mean, we we talked about that last week, right? So the question is, is that you know, is there a life for this going forward? Uh, I'm trying to remember which star tweeted that out this week. Uh, someone tweeted out this week, and I'm I'll have that for our fact check next week. Who, who said it? Um, oh, it was. Um, Jeff Loeb, the, who's the Marvel television uh, guru and great comic book writer, uh, basically said, you know, uh, you know, heroes only rise to fall, uh, heroes only fall to rise again. Uh, something, something along the lines of, you know, don't be surprised if these heroes come back in some form down the road, um, which led to immediate speculation. Again, we talked last week about, you know, in a matter of months, Disney's going to own uh, two thirds of Hulu. It's going to own uh, uh, Disney Plus is coming later this year. Um, they still own ABC. See, um, they have a partnership with Freeform. Um, so in some manner, they could revive this. Although we did have a story uh, a few episodes ago about the fact that there seemed to be some sort of moratorium of a couple of years that these cannot be revived. So, Oh, right. Yeah. Two years or something. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's a question. Is it is it sort of two years from the debut date of the last season? Or is it two years after the last series of these shows is over? So it, it remains to be seen what that actually means. Means, but I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't give up on this. They seem like they were successful enough that they could revive them in some form. The question is, you know, again, will past seasons exist on Netflix? Will DC, uh, will Disney buy the rights back so that they can air them on another platform? There's a lot of logistics to work out, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Well, it's an all-star, an all-star cast that's being brought together. Uh, maybe, maybe the Jessica Jones and Punisher folks will, will join this all-star cast of uh, Green. Eggs and Ham, the new animated series for Netflix that has a whole bunch of people. 
including Adam, I don't know if it's Divine or Divine, I can't remember how his name's pronounced, Divine? and uh, Michael Douglas will play the titular characters Sam I Am and uh, Guy I Am, and a whole bunch of other celebrities, apparently like Dan Keaton, Eddie Izzard, uh, Jillian Bell, Keegan-Michael Key, so uh, apparently it follows a, a more unique story, so it's not just uh, green eggs and ham, you know, I won't eat them here, I won't eat them there, sort of thing. We'll, we'll see how that goes. The teaser trailer doesn't really show that much. So this is a book that can be read in 15 minutes, and they're going to make a full show, full like movie of it? I mean, have you seen um, The Grinch recently, or um, Horton Hears a Who, or Lorax. The, uh, the Lorax? Yep, yep. No, I have seen. I think I've seen bits of of the Jim or the Jim Carrey um, Green Guy, but uh, yeah, Grinch. But I haven't seen the new Grinch movie, or, or I haven't seen Lorax either. Yeah, it's it, they can build those things out. It'll be interesting to see how they bro- break that into a world in a series versus a movie, because they have been doing these theatrical pictures. It'll be interesting to see what that becomes in a. In in a, even a limited series. Hmm. Maybe the Green, Egg, Green Eggs and Ham will be like a running joke or something. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like a gag that would be really stretched thin over the course of uh, however many episodes. Do you, do you remember, Jaime, how many episodes it is? No. Say I, in there? I, I, didn't, I didn't see. Yeah, again, it seems like a, a stretched thin premise, but it's not, I don't think, catering to any of the three of us if, if it was for, uh, uh, you know, your granddaughter slash my niece, uh, Tim, it would probably be much more well-received. But Right, right. And she won't care that just and Jacobs is in it. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, I guess you're off, John, with uh, Kevin yes, Smith's Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, Jaime had the news for us last week about uh, The Offenders, the uh, series of um, Marvel cartoon series that are coming to Hulu, uh, four different series that uh, are going, uh, one of the, which is going to be Howard the Duck. Uh, and we mentioned that um, Kevin Smith is going to be uh, one of the uh, creators of that show. Now, he released out on... Uh, uh, his social media feeds this week that uh, he has asked Leah Thompson, uh, who of course famously was uh, the star, the legit star of the uh, ill-fated Howard the Duck movie, uh, right, to right. Uh, make her voice, uh, use her voice on the show. And she apparently, he said, uh, she hasn't said no. Mm. I believe he said, she said, uh, let's see, she did not say no. This is how he, he says it on his uh, social media feed. Um, some sites are reporting that as she said yes, but it does sound like uh, it is happening. So interesting to see if she's going to play uh, Beverly, the character from uh, that was sort of Howard's girlfriend slash friend in the live action movie, or if this is going to be in some other role. But uh, but as one of the three people on the earth who loves the Howard the Duck movie, I'm totally <laughs> stoked about this. I I am a huge Howard the Duck fan, uh, both of the comic and the film. Uh, I read the novel when I was like. Uh, 12 years old uh the novelization of the poster movie. on your wall too i still have the original poster on my wall here it's sitting right behind me here in my uh my little little downstairs room uh yes so hearing that those the hearing that kevin was going to be doing uh the howard the duck series was exciting because um you know i know he's a fan and so that's exciting hearing that he went straight to her makes me more excited because i know he's such a nerd fanboy and that's going to be a great addition to what sounded like a great premise for a show so yes very very excited about that one cool all right what's uh, new in sports new in sports this just did in sports lightsaber dueling is now an official sport recognized by france so uh this one was a lot of fun 
this week. So this is a legit story. It came out of uh, France. This is reported by the Associated Press. Uh, France has now na- uh, France has now granted uh, lightsaber dueling the same status as a competitive sport as uh, uh, as fencing. Fencing, okay. So uh, they have to use these LED lit uh, polycarbonate lightsaber replicas, and uh, the way that it's basically done is uh, it's organized into three minute matches, and you uh, get points like not unlike fencing, you get points for hits to certain areas of the body. Uh, so you can hit the hands, the arms, the torso, uh, or the head, and you get a certain number of points for that. And uh, and this is going to be uh, a recognized competitive sport and uh the you know the rationale was essentially uh you know kids are not doing enough people are getting lazy people aren't getting enough exercise if this is a way to get young people interested in getting out there and being athletic because they want to be darth maul or obi-wan kenobi then more power to them so uh interesting weird kind of uh decision but really really interesting cool and uh no uh the, the france will actually be hosting the olympics in 2024 uh but alas it does not seem likely that it, by 2024 it will be recognized as an internationally sanctioned sport. So that is sad. Yeah, I really feel like it should. I mean, they've you know experimented with adding some crazy sports. I don't see why they couldn't add this. Well, it's funny because they do do demonstration sports, right? They do uh, they do demonstration sports. They've done weird stuff in the past, like you know windsurfing and you know skateboarding and all kinds of stuff, just to sort of added in some of the flavor of different sports to uh, to the Olympics as exhibition sports, not not medal sports. Uh, I, I would tune in for the lightsaber dueling. Would you guys not tune in for the lightsaber dueling? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Who's the world champion of lightsaber dueling? Come on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, in other great Star Wars news, uh, so there's a new VR experience that uh, was announced this week. And... Um, <sighs> I, I don't know how to feel about this one, so I'll just put it out here. So, uh, Porgs. Porgs? You guys are familiar oh, with Porgs? no. Porgs. So, <laughs> so in the spirit of Tamagotchi, uh, this VR experience called Project Porg, uh, which is uh, a, a VR experience, will let you take care of your... Uh, raise, birth, raise, and take care of your own pet Porg. What? In virtual reality, in your own home. So, as you look around, it'll be, like, on your shelf. You'll have to like you know help it down you have to keep it from hurting itself uh you have to make sure it's fed and taken care of you too can raise your own porg cool yeah. you'll ban them from schools what's that you'll ban them from schools like you can't bring your cork to school well oh. it's not going to be a like a phone app this is going to be in a full uh a vr headset experience it seems like uh, although i'm not sure it says here that it's going to be uh ilm lab i don't know what that does as far as device so maybe it is going to be a vr experience experience like uh, uh, Pokemon Go or something like that as opposed to an actual um, VR headset game but uh, it's either way I I just don't know about the idea of having to come home and feed the Porg it does sound an awful lot like a euphemism Hmm. (laughs) Um, it it looks like here they mention the Magic Leap one I'm not sure if that's like the official one they're starting with Um, yeah I saw that I don't know what that device is I, I think it's like a Microsoft HoloLens it's a a pair of glass like large visor sort of thing that you wear and you have a sort of limited range field of view where you can see the um, augmented reality character okay 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not so much a traveling experience as a, uh, in your home experience. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. I, I don't think any of these VR units, uh, of this caliber that they're going for are like easily portable. You wouldn't, you wouldn't just take it to school. Like if I'm going to raise a Porg, I want the best quality VR experience in raising my Porg. <laughs> okay. I, I guess it might also be for like kids. I mean, think. You know, if you don't have the, uh, like, if your kids aren't old enough to have the responsibility of a live animal, or uh, maybe you're, like, in a situation that doesn't allow it, you know, you have an apartment that doesn't allow, you know, dogs and cats and sort of thing. I could see that as being an alternative. So the question is, uh, if you get sick of it, can you barbecue it a la Chewbacca? Yeah, that'd be a really, <laughs> a really sick option, because I do remember the Tamagotchis <laughs> would, like, yeah. you know, get sick and die in their piles of poop if they weren't properly fed and taken care of. So well, and people maybe. were sadistically doing those things too, right? They were like, you know, hiding each other's Tamagotchis and killing them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Hmm. What if they had t- Tamagotchi vaccines? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to inoculate right. your porg. Yeah. All right, Hammy, what's next with uh, Jordan Peele? We have the first full trailer for his Twilight Zone reboot, which uh, will be hitting, well, the, not the trailer, but the actual series will be hitting CBS All Access on April 1st. It's wildly unclear to me where that ends up in other countries. So I, I don't really have the news there, but you could at least watch this fine trailer that shows what appears to be, you know, little bits of content from the various episodes. And um, I could have sworn, could have sworn one of the uh, masks looked really familiar. I'd have to look up to see which um, which original episode they're referencing. It's it's maybe the um, the Gremlin one with uh, William Shatner where he's on the airplane. I think that was a, a shot that I saw in there. It, it goes kind of fast. You can see a lot of celebrity faces you'll recognize. Right, right. Okay, cool. So it's not a remake of the movie that they made a while ago. No, it looks to be more anthology series style. Um, it, it did not appear to have any sort of cohesive story from what I could tell. Yeah, it's funny. I used to watch that show when I was like really like a young kid, like a, maybe eight or nine. And so there were some really twisted shows I remember from, from watching them back then. Yeah, cool. I had to stay really late to watch them. So who what's next, Jaime? Yeah, I, I added this one as a bit of completeness because I've, I've you know, notionally vaguely heard of what this is. We're um, talking about uh, The Wandering Earth, which was China's blockbuster film. It made apparently $600 million in theaters over there. And Netflix is is getting that, uh, getting the streaming rights for that. So I'll be interested to see what this is like. I haven't seen a blockbuster movie um, of this type come out of China. I, I know there was another one that was really hot over there, like something related to a mermaid, I want to say. Um, it did not appear on any of my streaming channels. So this will be my first opportunity I see on Interesting. Uh, seeing how a different culture approaches the uh, the sci-fi series yeah, and the art of storytelling series, um, too. genre yeah storytelling is tricky um so this last one here is from me it's basically uh harry nilsson surprisingly I, I haven't watched russian doll yet but apparently uh his uh his song um highlighted but there's a documentary here that's been around for a few years called who is harry nilsson and why is everybody talking about him it's surprising he was surprisingly prolific as a music writer of, of pop songs in in i guess the late 60s you know in fact the beatles even you know sort of uh, circled around him. He inspired them. They inspired him, and he wrote quite a variety of songs. But it's interesting that his his music has surfaced again in in um, in Russian Doll as I guess the theme song. I'm not sure where, yeah, where it lands. It's, it's got to get up as the song that they play, yeah. and they play it. Um, basically, you guys are familiar with the premise of the show. She dies and is reborn, and dies and is reborn, and dies and is reborn. 
before in the same moment. Every time she reappears in that same moment, that's the song that's playing on the stereo. So every time she dies and comes back, you hear that song again and again and again and again and again. Um, right. So it's, it's like the, the Sonny and Cher song. Um, yes. I yeah, got absolutely. you, babe, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, that's the song. So you hear it over and over again, and it becomes this real earworm through the show um, as this trigger. <laughs> so as soon as you hear the song, you know that, that uh, she's died and oh, she's come back again. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I guess we've arrived at the moment when we talk about this uh, this week's episode. Is it called The Thou- Sounds of Thunder? The Sounds of Thunder. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So we just, uh, the three of us just watched it separately and we'll convene and talk about what we just watched. So who wants to go? I don't know. Is it your turn? Well, I, yeah, I guess I could. I, I have my notes here. Let me just grab those. But I, I kind of, I, I take my, my note taking of this show is, is a little different than your, than your two guys. I don't like really favor the whole recap every living moment of the show but um because I, I i make notes on on things that stand out you know like um uh it starts out with uh, like you know they get a signal captain you need it on the bridge uh, they've detected another red angels red angels signal and they decide to go and explore it and it turns out that it's actually uh around the this the angel has appeared around kaminar Ka- which is seru's homeworld, which he left and we saw in the shorts uh in the summertime uh, he leaves uh, because the uh, other species on this planet, apparently there's two species on this planet, the Ba'ul and and uh, the Kelpians, and the Kelpians are subservient to the Ba'ul. In fact, they, they sort of reach a, a sort of adolescence period, I guess, and um, they uh, give themselves up to the to the Ba'ul, and the Ba'ul, you know, basically rule them. And Ba'ul is a warp, warp culture, so they've got warp technology. They've been, uh, they've been brought into the Federation, or the, the Federation knows who they are, that kind of stuff, and they made an agreement, you know, to not to to leave them alone, kind of thing, right? Um, and uh, I just remember at one point, Saru talks about the fact that uh, he didn't plan on returning to his home world because he he felt that having gone and joined Starfleet and learned that uh, there's more to this world, or more than more than what the Kelpians see as life, uh, you know, being you know just sort of living to give themselves up to the Baul. Uh, that's what he calls the price of knowledge, right? Um, and uh, they, f- the Kelpians believe the only true, th- true truth in life is the great balance, which is the giving themselves up or sacrificing themselves to the Baul. Uh, and they live in they live in the awe of the Baul technology. Anyway, so and, and he mentions that the priests are the only ones that connect all the communities because they want to figure out, they, they're trying to communicate with the with the planet and find out how uh, how they how they do that. And I, I forget now if if they had, had tried to re- hail the the Baul and the Baul is not answering them, and so they they start talking about another strategy for figuring out you know what uh, what they can do. And so uh, Pike says to Burnham, "Well, you have to go down." There. You're the xenobiologist. You need to go down there and and make contact with them and find out what's going on. And you know, be careful of General Order One, not to mess it up. And and um, Saru gets up and like this is the first time we see Saru being sort of aggressive and saying, you know, but of course I'm the one that should go because this is these are my people. Um, and so you should let me go with and and, uh, and or let me go and and sort of do the talking. And uh, so Pike capitulates and says, okay, well, you know, um, Saru and Burnham can go with Saru as sort of an observer and a helper and a, you know, translator, if you will. Um, 
So they beam down to the planet, and they find out that, uh, uh, you know, there's a, the moment there when they they land on the planet, it's it's nighttime, everybody's gone to bed sort of thing, and, and Saru and, and Michael Burnham have a sort of touching moment where he talks about, you know, uh, this culling, which was seen as a sort of a mercy, or accepted as a mercy, but the priests were actually, in, including his father, who was a priest, was, was a, what he calls a collaborator. So he's now, start, he's now seen through the, the Ba'ul's deception that this is actually some sort of bad thing, right? So they run into one Kalpian who's a, who's a priestess, and it turns out that it's actually uh, Saru's sister, Sarana, which we saw in the in the shorts as well. And she mentions seeing uh, the fiery sign and uh, that she has seen it, and she understands what they're talking about. She's a little taken back by the fact that she, can, she and Burnham can talk to each other, and Burnham points out that they're using a universal translator to do that, right? Uh, you know, again, it's all about, like, the, the, the first part of the first setup of the show, or the first half of the show is sort of the setup of, of what's going on with with um, Saru and his, his indignation with the fact that, you know, the Kelpians are duped and uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and just when, you know, the at, at some point the, the earth starts shaking and, and uh, you know, uh, turns out the Ba'ul is, is coming. They've, the, the, they have a, like a, uh, what do you call it, a pylon, they call it on the beach, which uh, is how the, um, the uh, Ba'ul who will watch what's going on in the villages, and they call it the watchful eye. You know, so you're living under the eye and all that kind of stuff, so, which is what, you know, oppressive people normally say. Um, or oppressed people, I should say. Um, they uh, they realize that the Ba'ul are coming, and, and they got to get out of there, you know, PDQ, and so they, they uh, beam up to the ship, and the Ba'ul um, surround the Discovery and say, you know, with these big giant ships and weapons, you know, point to the ship, and they say, you know, you start hailing and speaking with with Pike and the rest of Discovery, saying you've taken what belongs to us, and because they've they've believed that they've stolen the Kelpian, as opposed to you know having Saru gets up and his knickers in a twist and starts yelling at the the Ba'ul as well, and uh, Pike just sort of turns to him and says, you know, get off the deck, get off the the bridge, you know, you're excused and you're not helping, blah blah blah, and that's an order, and of course you know. Um, Saru had earlier had agreed that he would he would obey orders if if given so such so he was given given that order and that sort of leads to the sort of middle of the show dun, 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 we're trying to figure out what's going on and uh, and a small little piece that appears sort of in the beginning part of the show it doesn't really come back into play very much but it's it's all about um, uh, Dr Culver and Culber and uh, he's back uh, he's not feeling himself kind of thing and uh, turns out that he's in fact uh, what they call pristine. He's like a, he's basically been reconstituted back to himself and, and special effects being what they are, he's just, you know, he turns out that he's like in perfect shape. In fact, his scar that he decided to keep on his shoulder as a reminder um, of his journey uh, has, has, you know, didn't get replicated because obviously it was just, he's basically like a, a clean copy of, of his old self, complete with memories, which, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you got to stretch that one a bit. So, so just an interesting point. I think that'll probably come into play later on that, that, uh, that Culver is now, um, a, a pure copy of himself, right? So, um, you know, so the, to, in, in order to solve the, the problem, uh, going back to the battle surrounding the ship, getting, to go back to solve the problem of, of what are they going to do, um, Saru decides that he, he, instead of going to his quarters, he heads over to the transporter and has himself beamed over to the the Ba'ul ship. And, of course, they, 
they as soon as they got they've got what they wanted, they take off and they head back to the planet. Um, so we beam onto the Earth. So now, and of course, you know they they have some sort of shielding technology and sort of the discovery can't follow and find out where where Seru has been taken um, as they disappear into the planet. So um, literally and figuratively, they um, so he's inside this this holding cell inside the the the, the uh, bow ship and um, his sister is beamed onto the ship as well uh, from by the Baul into the same cell and um, at one point uh, Saru is kind of thrown these robot these sort of drones come in and throw him against the wall and and he gets you know handcuffed and neck cuffed and I assume ankle cuffed to the wall so he can't move um, and his sister's kind of free at that moment but eventually she also gets you know uh, thrown against the wall and, and, and captured as well but uh, a Baul appears out of the tar pit there's a famous tar pit from the Star Trek uh, yeah. tropes, right? And uh, sort of comes out and um, again, you know, elbows and knees and five fingers and the head sort of thing. But anyway, the bowel comes out of the out of this sort of tar pity thing, and they're all covered in this slime, and and they have this sort of really. Uh, synthesized voices, you know, very sort of echoey, boomy kind of voices, uh, telling, um, you know, telling, sort of telling Saru, or that, you know, you don't know what you are, and, you know, you know, you, we'll, we'll tell you what, what's going on. Meanwhile, Burnham and uh, Tilly and, um, what's the other woman's name? The robot woman? Arium. Arium are looking, Arium is looking into, uh, and Tilly's like, you know, yeah, we're, we're checking out, we're trying to find out what's going on. And of course, Arium's sort of spitting back the answers, and Tilly goes, okay, well, she's looking up the answers. I'm just standing here and look, looking pretty. But, um, so they discover that there's, there's a, I forget where they get the sphere from, but there's a, the, this, they use a sphere to sort of go back through the history. It has, it contains the entire history of, of the planet and they go back and they look at the, the population counts at one point the kelpians far outnumbered the uh the baul in fact it got to a certain point where it was almost a tipping point where there was almost no baul left and then it switches back in in uh and then the baul become the dominant species right um and it turns out that that uh, there was almost an extinction level uh, event worth with the baul and meanwhile we flash back to the ship and and the baul creature is explaining to to uh, Saru, that the the issue is that once the um, the uh, Kelpians reach you know this sort of adulthood, if you will, or, or this this next level, I forget the name Valari or whatever the, the name is. When you guys got it in the notes here, Valharai. Valharai. Once they reach that sort of stage in life, um, they become predators to uh, the Baul. In fact, the Baul was once the prey. And uh, the only thing I can say is these nerf launchers come out of the back of Baul's or out of Saru. Uh, uh, his head and fire little ballistic rockets at uh, at uh, the bow. Well, it doesn't really seem to have a, a much of an effect, which I find surprising. But and I kind of wondered, like, do they regenerate? Like, how does he make new little projectiles? I think it was but like a, a pufferfish thing. And the angle that they showed the quills not doing anything was uh, a little unclear. But if you look again, uh, you yeah, can see kinda that it freezes them in space. Like I the, think there like, was like a like force field or something because the the bow yeah. are all about technology. So he was like. Like not right. taking any chances. Uh, I guess he took a little bit of a chance, like even appearing instead of just right. you, know, rip, you know using on the, the drones and stuff. But it did give us a, a neat look at what um, you know visually reminded me of Armus from the Skin of Evil episode on TNG. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. So I mean, so the so the this Nerf launcher comes out, and uh, and then you know I, I stopped taking many notes, but because it, it just kind of got all sort of visually, you know, like back and forth for the last you know, twenty minutes of the show. Um, the the at one point um, the uh, uh, Baul ship comes out of the water, or if you will, out of an ocean. It, it reminds me of that same. I don't. I can't tell you a number of sci-fi movies I've seen. I just think of Atlantis as one, of course. Um, but like, I'm sure there's a James Cameron movie, maybe The Sphere or something like that, where this uh, alien ship comes out of the water. Um, but it's just sort of you know the triangle shape or whatever with the circles, and you know we've seen that a thousand times in sci-fi movies. But anyway, that's it, it, that's what's been hiding in the ocean. It comes out, and um, and there's uh, uh, there's a big conflagration sort of battle or whatever. And in the middle of that whole battle, the Red Angel shows up to to uh, yeah. I, went, I just remember one point, uh, uh, Pike sort of says, you know, be careful what you're what you're doing, and your next choice, you know, better be an important one. So choose wisely. But anyway, so Red Angel comes comes up and sort of is seen as a savior, and it turns out that Saru's vision is so clear that he can actually see that it's actually a humanoid in a mechanical suit, not, not just you know some of this mysterious red in you know, red lit person, right? Um, that's pretty much where I stopped taking notes, and they basically just get in. So I think we just want to jump in if there's anything I've missed in terms of the end. But you know, uh, the, the Red Angel kind of so, so saves the day, and you know, sort of like does an EMP pulse to to you know have everybody stand down, kind of thing, right? Yeah. So the 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 reason why they sort of lose their bananas is because um, so Saru breaks free and he frees uh, Serana. They they're gonna they're gonna kill the two of them, uh, and their plan is basically that they're going to trigger the Vahara using the sphere, right? So the, they're going to trigger it in all the Kelpians. They're going to basically set them all free the way that he is by eliminating their fear and starting that next evolutionary process for them. And so when the Ba'ul realize what that is, they decide they're going to commit genocide, basically kill them all. So they power up those 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 pillars and are going to wipe them all out. And that's when the Red Angel shows up. And basically uh, before the Disco can actually stop, uh, stop things from happening because they can't, uh, the Red angel actually shows up generates this pulse and stops the bowel from committing the genocide and uh that's when when uh, saru gets a good look at him so the, the yeah the last little bit is that um we get a little debrief where pike shares his report on what saru sees with tyler and they basically you know now know that it's you know a time traveling humanoid with advanced technology that seems to be doing this because right, uh, right. clearly they've been you know as as they talked about in the beginning of the episode they traveled back you know uh and and transported the people to the uh the planet from i think it was episode two um so you know we're getting a little closer to the truth of what this person is um and then saru basically sort of says to serana like hey this is awesome to be back in your life and it's nice you know why don't you come with me she says no i'm gonna stay here and help my people but now saru is free to go home whenever he likes which is sort of a, a big you know load off his shoulders because he was always the outcast he couldn't go back um and because he now has that ability to go home again it sparks burnham to say you know what in our in our search for spock the never-ending search for spock uh i need to go home to vulcan which teases us up for right. next episode where obviously they're headed back to vulcan uh episode 7 of 14 perhaps they'll finally get a look at mr spock yes um so so the red angel is basically doctor who right yeah <laughs> oh oh, <laughs> no, jody whitaker. oh please be jody whitaker <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I'd take Tom Baker. I'm not picky. Yeah, at this point. What'd you make of all this, Jaime? 
thought it was a, a good episode that brought together a lot of things that they've been talking about. So it, it made the five ninety nine I paid for that one month in particular to get Saru's story. <laughs> so, you know, getting the, the background on that was, um, I think, pretty helpful. Uh, I, I guess it could have been part of an episode, but it was kind of nice that you get a little bit of extra flavor of how that relationship worked between him and his sister and joining Starfleet and then having that payoff here on um, learning more about how that society was structured by the Baal and also just the, um, you know, we, we wouldn't have seen the sister before up until this point, right? If you hadn't seen the, the short right, track yeah. with him. So I thought that was pretty good. And they brought together the info from the sphere, right? I remember the sphere was uh, causing all the chaos for their communication systems when it was trying to leave its, you know, dying legacy with them. Oh, that's the sphere that, that they were using. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, what you saw on screen this time was like a holographic projection of like, this is what it looked like. And this is like the visual representation of its archive. And oh, that's they what had they had it in, in the, computer memory. Okay, I got yeah, it. Yeah, they looked okay, through the, right. the records of what the sphere had given them right before it blew up. Right, right. Yeah. I think yeah. The, sphere, the, the movie The Sphere made one of, maybe one of those movies where the thing comes out of the water like I was talking, right? Yeah, and like the the abyss, probably depending on yeah the abyss. How yeah, that's what I'm about. thinking of the abyss. Thank mm-hmm. you. And it was James Cameron. All right, what do you think, John? Yeah, again, another good episode. I think they're they're on a bit of a roll. You know, we, last week we got that uh, culmination of the whole uh, uh, Tilly and the Mayshroom storyline that had been building from the beginning of the season, and it actually had sort of started with that little spore landing on her shoulder at the end of last season. Um, and this one, you know, we get that payoff as uh, you know, as Jaime said, it's a nice little payoff for watching those short tracks and you know that was one of the things we really sort of speculated on was are are these little one-offs do they matter are they just little sort of tastes of the universe or are they actually going to be consequences and this is the first time we've really seen it come back and be uh, a legit payoff for those stories tying into the main story Um, it really did spark in my mind as this was paying off and we do go back to the planet and we already have that established in our minds even from that little 15 minute episode it made me think of the other three episodes and think I wonder are they going to tie those things in together and and you know some of the mysteries that were sort of tied into those ones and what does that mean and are we going to see more from that so that's that's kind of a neat seed to plant um and maybe they're maybe they're going to do them this season or maybe they're going to do them next season or maybe they're never going to do them but it was interesting to see the way that paid off um but i think yeah it was it was a, a nice little sort of way to to bring that all back together we had the the story about you know the short trek about you know Suru's origin then we got the you know advancement of his character where he lost his his uh, fear in that episode a couple episodes ago and now this sort of conclusion to that so again it feels like they're sort of doing these nice little character arcs you know tilly's had her good arc we got a little bit of the stamets i'm leaving the ship now no now hugh's back okay so some development for his character we got some development for saru now so we're really kind of moving these you know we're, we're moving the pieces forward a little bit which is kind of exciting that you know the the flavor and the recipe for the season was always going to be box 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 but we're right. while we're doing that really slowly um you know we're, we're still getting some very satisfying episodes and and you know again i i was sort of up and down on the first season i think the klingon thing kind of dragged a little bit but uh i'm i'm really digging season two this is going really well for me so yeah i liked it Do you have a question didn't um harry mudd have a time traveling machine like how was he able to get to all those different planets so he was cloning himself right yes that was the it was the cloning himself uh you know got spoilers for the short track but yeah he was he was 
who's basically making a, uh, automatrons of himself, uh, uh, and he just in the short track. A female bounty hunter, but he right? was using time travel last season, right? That was how he was, right. he was basically resetting the time as he was going in and trying to, uh, right. rig things. That's how he kept killing Captain Lorca over and over again. But wasn't um, that, was that, was a time travel thing or he, or they were stuck in a time loop sort of? Well, but uh, he was creating the loop, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had like a device or a crystal or some other, um, MacGuffin thing that let him do it. <laughs> yeah. No, again, I think, uh, I think we're seeing some good progress. I, I still think, you know, again, uh, I don't know. Did you guys see the, the teaser for next week's episode that they, the, the little stinger there at oh. the end there? So, you no, know, I didn't. Yeah. It, it, basically it's just a little, you know, whatever they do, 20 seconds. Um, and it follows exactly where you think it's going to go. It's it follows them to Vulcan and there's a mystery and they have to go to Vulcan. So I think we might finally get the arrival of Lieutenant Spock. Um, and then we'll really start getting into, you know, hopefully that second arc. Um, so as we said, 14 episodes this season, um, this was season episode six this season. So we'll get to the halfway mark. So that sort of sets us up for a second half sort of building that arc and, and, uh, fulfilling, you know, building on the mystery and figuring out who the red angel is and, and why they're doing what they're doing. And you know, do you guys have any speculation at all on, do you think this is going to be something familiar or this is going to be, you know, something random? This it's being be feature, which thing in particular? I, well, I lost the, with... the Red Angel, I guess. Oh, the Red Angel specifically. Okay. If we've established now that it's a humanoid, uh, are are we supposing that this is going to be an existing character, a character from another timeline, a character? You know, is it Jean Luc Picard? Is it uh, you know <laughs> the mysterious future guy? Yeah, I mean, it could, it could be anybody's anything. It could be something that pre-exists. It could be a species that they have encountered in this timeline yet. It could be. You know, uh, it could be a Ferengi. Like, who knows? What, you know, what how they could go forward with this? I don't know if you guys have any uh, insight into what they could possibly do that make this uh, the more the most unexpected twist possible. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I, all right. So this gets crazy, but I have mentioned before that um, Discovery Season 2 is setting it's Will up. Wheaton. <laughs> it's, Wesley. it's Wesley Crusher. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Wesley Crusher with, with uh, the Traveler tech. Um, I, I think Discovery has been setting up a lot of things that um, can help resolve and weave into the pre-existing canon, right? It's, a lot of people are like, hey, what's up with Spore Drive? Well, they kind of set up like where the spore drive might end up um even more you know minor things like hey what's the deal with kelpians like and we haven't seen it well because saru was like kind of the only one and now they're like pre-warp society and it's, it's tricky to deal with and i could see them potentially resolving the michael burnham as the like surprise sister if she ends up in some sort of like uh temporal loop uh, or causality loop. it's tasha yar totally <laughs> yeah it's, it's tasha yar <laughs> And they're riding, you know, hitchhiking with Elvis sort of thing, um, where spoilers for like Madoka Magica, but I, I could see that sort of thing where like this one character is constantly in this loop trying to prevent this particular destiny, but they can never actually prevent it. And yeah. all they do is by preventing it is causing it to occur and then getting back into the loop. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the the most Star Trek thing to do in all this would have it be uh, Michael Burnham or, or oh, you really? know, 
some you know some weird twist it'll be you know it'll be Lorca but this universe yeah. is Lorca or it'll be you know what I mean like if you're looking for those like dun 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 M. Night Shyamalan twist um, you know yeah like this universe is Lorca popped into my head um, another version of Burnham who's caught in a time loop um, I was trying to think of sort of you know who else matters at this point that's the problem with this the only the only criticism I could still have about this Star Trek uh, discovery as a series is we've really only gotten to know deeply know like five characters mm-hmm. right saru burnham ash Giorgio and Pike. Yeah, and even Giorgio, like... Well, which Giorgio are we talking about? But yeah. yeah, we didn't really get to know the original. She got her head eaten, and then we we kind of get to know the Emperor, but even then, she's kind of an enigma. Pike, I don't feel like I know him terribly well more on this. Like, I keep seeing him as, you know, the, the larger character from some of the expanded stuff, but mm-hmm. like, really, it's been very... Oh, and Tilly, I guess. Tilly's the other one, right? Or, I, mean, I mean, Stamets, I guess, to, you know. So, not a lot. So, you know by figuring out those characters you're like okay is it any of them maybe no you know stamets in some weird spore drive gone red you know yeah jet reno maybe <laughs> jet reno <laughs> it's culber after he decides uh, he has to leave the ship because he's new now too perfect to exist oh okay so that would that, that one might have an angle to it because he is it's so early in the episode you had the saru and culber moment right there mm. um saru brings up the point that they've both gone through these traumatic changes and they're no longer who they were and therefore maybe now this could lead them on the path on who they should be mm. and for Suru that means you know hulking out and being more assertive and like generally not living afraid and under- understanding that his whole lifestyle was a lie and, and just completely going into an area where he's no longer comfortable. Culber though is like reconstituted via you know mayshroom magic yep. uh, or, or tech and so you could see that like maybe something outgrows from that. I mean, they mentioned like, hey, he doesn't have a scar because it reconstituted his body perfectly. And he feels like he's not quite himself, which, you know, Dr. Pollard says like, oh, that's just because like, you're like a brand new baby. You know, you're not adjusted to to dealing with the world yet. It'll take a while to adjust. It could be a little hint there that something major is going to happen with him. Yeah. And and we've mentioned the, you know, we presume that the, the spore drive uh, and the Masila network is no longer going to be available. So like, you know, Voyager can't use it in the future, for example. So maybe this entity slash Culber slash Michael Burnham will will cause that to happen. Mm, maybe that's mm-hmm. how they're they're going through things um, at the moment. I don't know. There's 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 tons of speculation about this sort of stuff. Um, I think right prior to this episode, people were speculating that maybe the Baul were evolved Kelpians. Uh, that turned out not to be the case. Yeah, I the, actually there was that it was occurred to me early in the episode. I had that I actually wrote that down as a note. Was like, hmm, maybe this is the case. But they, you know, it. it became pretty clear that as they were started doing the plot exposition with the sphere stuff, I was like, oh, no, okay, that makes more sense. So, but yeah, yeah or the Calpians turn into zombie, mad, crazy hunters and try to, you know, eradicate everybody, right? That's another plot line that could happen. Yeah. I, I still can't get over the, like, predator covered in, in uh, road tar. tar. That was very weird. That was a very weird uh, alien effect. I really was hoping when those little probes showed up and they were, like, you know, right up in Saru's face and they were, like, scanning him and then they were scanning Saru. I really wanted them to be like three inches tall. To be like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Bahul. 
Like, no, just, you know, yeah. like little itty bitty guys <laughs> be like, voice synthesizers, yeah. we've got you under our thumb, but we're this big. Yeah. Like men in yeah. black style. It's not Absolutely. drones. It's, it's little spaceships that they're flying right up to his face. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I um, really thought I, that would have been an excellent twist to be like, that's why they're subjugating you because you're 25 times the size of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't forget Star Trek did that first with, with Clint Howard, right? Yeah, that's true. The baby, the, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, I, right. I, I wrote a note here that this sort of brings things a little bit more um, full circle for the Kelpian physiology. If you remember, um, okay, let, let's set the stage here. So really early on, Saru says that his people were um, prey, right? And it was like, oh, man, okay, well, all right, that, that's what you were. You were you're prey, you're being hunted down. And eventually we learned that uh, in the, the short track, that, oh, they're more prey in the, like, cattle sense rather than, like, I don't know, hunting deer sort of sense. But in between, something I hadn't thought about that really sort of came together with this episode was like, wait a minute, remember that episode where they were on, um, I want to say it was Pavo, not Parvo, <laughs> the disease? Yes. <laughs> they were on Pavo and Saru didn't feel the fear because the, the entities on there were, like, uh, interfering with that. Yep. And he, like, he kind of hulks out and goes crazy there. And he was kind of terrifying, like, how his size led him to, like, run 40 miles an hour or something crazy and, and he was like super strong and, and just freaking out and, and clearly like more than a match for a normal human yeah and it made us think probably at the time we'd have to go back to the episode like oh like what the hell hunts them down <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like this, this right. badass compared to us like what what kind of hulking monster must eat them and now it sort of makes more sense like oh oh that's how it works it was a technological play with you know cultural um brainwashing i guess right to like subjugate this this people and that's how the the bowl were able to get away with this stuff yeah I, I do think my favorite moment in this week's episode was the moment when uh saru being banished from the bridge takes the turbo lift down to the deck with the transporter and he's standing there and he's trying to figure out what to do and everybody's rushing around trying to get to their stations and then he decides okay this is it i'm going to go to the transporter room and i'm going to surrender myself and he starts walking down the hallway and he does that hilariously awesome walk that doug jones does yeah, where yeah. he walks and he waves his big long gangly arms behind him as he walks kills me every time that, that mm. great great body language that that doug jones has he's such an amazing physical actor where he's just like i'm going and he starts like walking with determination to the hallway but his big flowing arms are waving behind him i, I just love it i love it every time like a cape yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it makes him look more alien, which is, is yeah. something I appreciate for the higher budget of uh, of disco versus like, you know, TNG or Deep Space Nine or something. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say about the humanoid, uh, the humanoid red angel, every every character on Star Trek is a humanoid. Yeah, more or less. Human unless shape, or, yeah. Unless they're a cloud or a video effect or something. Yeah. Well, I guess what they were establishing was that those aren't wings, that that's technology, right? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So what about the, 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 the conversation that... Um, Pike and uh, Ash have at the end there. I mean, like, you know, they're talking about the technology and stuff like that, but they... They seem to be pals now, or all of a sudden. I'm not. I don't. You know, or coworkers. Or, or like I thought, Ash was like you know part of Section 31 and not to be trusted. And technically, he's also a Klingon. And yeah, I mean, he, Pike sort of has that sort of you know uh, slightly curt way of sort of saying you know in the spirit of you know working together. Like I think he's doing it a little bit grudgingly, but I think he's trying to sort of build a bridge because he wants that to be a two way street. He wants the share of information, so he shares Saru's report, trying to sort of 
see if they can compare notes a little bit. I think he's trying to pump Ash for information a little bit. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I noticed Ash walked away with the little iPad, right? So Yeah, yeah. So did you guys think of the implication for... Well, okay, I guess two quick things. One was I wrote a note about um, just people I think will probably wonder after watching this episode, like, hey, they played a little fast and loose with uh, the Prime Directive, General Order 1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they did address, like, it's kind of a sticky situation here, so we can sort of, like, lawyer our way into yeah. <laughs> uh, getting an exception here, and especially given the um, priority nature of figuring out the Red Angel and the, and the signals thing. But it was interesting that uh, the Baul, when they were communicating with the Discovery, it said, like, yo, Starfleet promised us it wasn't right. going to mess with our situation, which is, right. it adds a little bit of extra complication of, like, oh, maybe they were totally in the right to do this then, right? Like, Starfleet clearly was aware of this situation um, and may have decided for different reasons why it didn't want to get involved. True, um, true. That, that was item one. And item two was when I thought, oh, wait a minute, you know, after the, the Vaharai was uh, artificially triggered for all the Kelpians, I said, wait a minute, in the mirror universe, the Terran Empire has subjugated the Kelpians and they eat them. Does right. that mean they figured out this particular evolution and they're just like calling them, you know, <laughs> the Kelpian who's you know, washing your, your, your body in the bath or scrubbing your toilets is like, oh, look, his ganglia is getting a little, you know, engorged there. Well, better get a new staff member, send this one off to the to the culinary school and let them handle him. Mm. By the way, Pike did say early in the episode, you know, we can stretch General Order 1, but let's not break it. So they, they did realize they were skirting around the rules a bit. Yeah, they, they went in with good intentions and then they were like kind of stuck, as you mentioned, with the, you know, don't make enemies of us sort of thing. And they started having to shoot mm-hmm. at the at all the different um, obelisks sort of thing to make them stop from uh, killing the or doing genocide for the Kelpians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We move on to our uh, Orville discussion. Our favorite show ever. Our, our <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was a bad episode. I think Tim <laughs> even grudgingly accepted it. As, Once again, we'll have maybe Mr. Good, Mr. Mr. Lopez the way, for the defense and uh, we'll have uh, Mr. Mr. Mitra for the uh, prosecution. I just have one thing to say. The Next Generation did it. Yeah. And, this, and Simpsons probably did it too. I want to even preface it with uh, something I, I tweeted about during the week, which was I kind of felt like this episode in context with all these other like, wow, Mocklin society is really kind of weird and doesn't fit with the um, planetary union way of thinking. I kind of wonder if they're going to do their own take on the way of the warrior episode of Deep Space Nine, where Worf joins, hmm. the Klingons are like, yo, uh, we have this problem over here. We're going to go beat up the Cardassians. And the Federation is like, no, you can't do that. That's not cool. And then they end up fighting, right? You know, these allies are no longer allies for a period of time. I kind of get the sense that this is where it's heading. All right. So I guess the name of this episode is Deflector, Season 2, Episode 7, Jonathan? Yep, that's right. All right. You got some notes here. Why don't you, why don't you dig in? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the, the Cliff Notes version here. So um, episode starts with uh, Kelly, the first officer. She dumps her boyfriend, the teacher. Um, and uh, that sort of sparks this sort of lingering thing throughout the episode of uh, relationships, which is sort of continues through the whole episode um bordis's ex-boyfriend arrives and he is a uh Mocklin engineer who's helping them develop uh and add new deflector system to the uh orville's sh- uh, shields i guess new deflectors um it uh is sort of we were reminded once again that uh, Mocklin is an all-male uh culture and so uh obviously all same-sex relationships um but we learn very 
quickly that um, in spite of the fact that um, uh, Bordas is sort of a little bit off put by having his ex-boyfriend there, that uh, the ex-boyfriend is actually into women because he asks Callie, the new security chief, out on a date and they go out and they go out on a date on the holodeck and so she's a little taken aback but she's actually kind of into it a little bit and uh, then Callie gets called away for an emergency and uh, when she returns it appears that uh, the boyfriend is gone and then they realize that she she figures out that he's actually been disintegrated they figure out that they recreate part of the simulation that they were in and a mysterious figures has appeared and uh, and shot and killed this uh, engineer I can't remember what was the guy's name I didn't even write it down he was that impressive but anyways yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, they eventually through a bunch of you know uh, you know uh, techno babble figure out a way to figure out how to clarify that signal they figure out that it's Clyden who is actually Fortis's husband who yeah. killed him <clears throat> it turns out that uh, as they go through this murder mystery uh, Clyden denies it he basically says I didn't do it it wasn't me uh, it turns out the ex yeah. faked his death because he knew that he was going to be exposed because Clyden basically was going to turn him in for being straight uh, or being attracted to opposite sex. Um, they end up figuring out that this guy was actually hiding out on the ship. They catch him. Uh, he basically says, you know, I was trying to do this so that I wouldn't bring shame on my family, but you know what? I'll go back and I'll face the music and I'll die in shame. And uh, basically Callie says, you know, up yours to Clyden. So Clyden ends up being the monster because he was going to out this guy. Um, and that's pretty much what there was for the episode. So it, was, it wasn't bad. It was in, in a nice opportunity to get to know the new security chief a little bit. Um, there was the sort of, uh, you know, little bit of back drama with uh, Ed and Kelly sort of spending time together and will the, you know, uh, will her boyfriend or now ex-boyfriend win her back? And um, and there was the murder mystery. Did Clyden, you know, actually commit the murder? It was not, I will say, in defense of this one, it was not the worst episode we've seen this season. Um, it was one of the better ones, to be fair. Uh, Bruce Willis guest starred as a giant flower. That was weird. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't catch that. But yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Point, low car was the name. Low car was the name of the guy. Yeah. At one point, um, uh, Kelly's ex is trying to win her back, and he he presents her with this you know giant flower, and it's got Bruce Willis's voice. This giant weird uh, CGI flower. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't a terrible episode. It was. It had its ups and downs. Um, you know, we got again a, a nice opportunity to get to know the new security chief a little bit better. Another yet another chance after we already had this is our third Mocklin focused episode out of seven um, and right, yeah. um, Clyden is not coming off well this season he's already tried to murder slash divorce uh, Bordas um, Bordas actually comes out as a more uh, uh, sympathetic character here because it's established that he actually knew that his ex-boyfriend was into uh, opposite uh, sex relationships and didn't out him even though that is um, you know the way of their culture so you know we get a sort of another building block that he is not a uh, contemporary Mocklin. Yeah, but by the same token, though, he caught his he brought, caught Lokar cheating on him. He did, were... but then he didn't turn him in, right? Right. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And so, and this, and this also ties into the whole they had a daughter, but he didn't want to have his uh, daughter's um, 
um, gender reorganized into being male so that it would fit in with the culture. So, yeah, Tova. So, um, you know, we we were getting sort of more building blocks that the relationship between Clyden and and, uh, Bordas is really kind of messed up because Clyden seems to be much more uh, um, aligned with Mocklin beliefs and it seems like Bordas isn't. Um, We have another sort of building block that this, you know, this seems like it's not going well for the two of them. Um, And Clyden really comes off as the, uh, the sort of bad of this episode because even though he did not kill this guy, he essentially ruins him because he's going to uh, out him and that leads to all this chaos. So, What did you think of this one, Jaime? Yeah, I, I, I think I liked it more than probably you guys did. <laughs> well, I think I liked it more than Tim about. did, so... Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I like the, the low-car holodeck murder mystery pit and, and the fact that there were some some interesting holes, I suppose, in, in the fact that, well, they did say that it was too easy to decode the uh, the image of of um, Clyden. Um, it was odd because they had dinner. Bortus, Clyden, and Topa had dinner with Lokar because he he showed up at their house at one point and and they invite him invite him to dinner. And I didn't really get a negative vibe from Clyden. He just sort of seemed to be like you know the partner sort of recognizing previous relationship and have dinner with us kind of thing because you're a Mocklin let's break bread right which is so, fine but then he also then he shows his shoes shows his true colors that he's he's also uh uh what's the opposite of a homophobe in that dinner or or he does later no on after he, after he finds out because he, he shows up and you know they do sort of show the 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 conversation that they have where he basically says i know what you are and i'm going to basically right. tell everybody and it's it's not jealousy over his relationship with pre-existing relationship with Bordas, that doesn't seem to be the motivation. It's just that he has this disdain for this type of person, which mm. again is just intolerance and and uh, you know hatred for the opposite of the norm. Which you know I got no time for people like that. And you know, so Clyden, you know, I know the whole the whole Mocklin society seems to be you know. Well, it seems like it's very very uh, you know structured, and you know they sort of say at one point you know well the, we needed to be like this because that was the only way we we're going to survive. Our our species had to be like this and everything else, and I think think Bordas is sort of seeing more and more that, you know, there are other ways now that it doesn't have to be like this. So I think he's sort of the one right. breaking from these traditional um, and, and very narrow um, ways of, of thinking about the world, whereas Clyden repeatedly in, in the first season and again in the second season is really sort of reverting to that. Right. I mean, it was probably a, a, one of the better episodes of the season for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the relationship with Kelly and her boyfriend was a bit tiring, but, you know. Yeah, but I think they needed to, again, it felt a little fast moving. We talked about this in previous episodes. This whole season feels like it's just sort of like chugging along. Like it's it's honestly feels like they're like we're not going to get a third season. We got to get all of our stories wrapped up. Like they were together for what like three episodes, maybe four. Like it, maybe it was the beginning of the season. Either way, it's still not a long time. In the same way that they sort of rushed through some of these other storylines, it feels like they rushed this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, should we move on to the uh, the headlines or what do you call, what do you call the watch, list. watch list? Watch list. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, yep. So I'll go first. Um, I will report back on my uh, watch list from last week. So last week I had flagged that I wanted to start watching the Umbrella Academy, a new series on Netflix. Um, in a uh, horrible moment of karma, after last week I bragged that I finally got to sit down and just plow through a show, which was Russian Doll, because my wife didn't want to watch it with me. Uh, she sat down and watched the first episode of Umbrella Academy with me, and so therefore I've watched three episodes now because I have to watch it with her. Little little bit of irony in the. Uh, uh, aftermath of that one so uh, I, ha- 
have watched the first three episodes, um, and and I, as I said last week, I, I have read the books. Um, it certainly is you know divergent in its way, but it's also very alike in its way. Um, it is as over the top. It is as uh, weird. It is as dark as the book is at times. Um, obviously, they're fleshing things out, um, mm-hmm. but I've really enjoyed the first three episodes. Um, y- you know, and uh, it's only a ten a ten episode series. So hopefully, in the next week or two, I will uh, be able to plow through the rest of that. So that's that's really my uh, watch list is to get back into that one and uh, hopefully try and try and get through to the end of that one. I'm, I'm curious to see they're already blending elements from both the um, the first two Umbrella Academy stories um, that which came out well over a decade ago. It'll, it'll be interesting to see um, as they continue how much they intertwine those first two stories into one because um, they just started doing the third Umbrella Academy story last year. So I wonder if this is a one-off series or if they're planning on doing season two, three, four of this where they go. Right. Okay. Yeah, I saw one episode of that and it, it seemed pretty intriguing. Um, kind of felt like X-Men through the lens of the Watchmen mm-hmm. kind of style of, of cynicism. It, it's kind of more X-Men-y in the like, hey, these people have, you know, they're born with these powers and, and they can do different things and they've got like a Charles Xavier person who brought them together, but it's sort of told largely through um, references to the past of their heyday, kind of like Watchmen follows. So that, that maybe that's why it sort of uh, appealed to me. Yeah. And, and continuing with your your watch list stuff, I'm just kind of coattail stuff. I uh, watched and finished Russian Doll, which I enjoyed, and saw two, two episodes of Happy, which I thought was pretty interesting too. So I'll probably end up completing that. Mm, cool. I love that show. I love that show. That was one of my favorite shows from last year. Happy. Happy. I thought that was so great. I was a fan of the book, but I think they did such a great job of elevating that one. It was just so goofy and over the top. Uh, you know, right, Patton right. Oswalt as the character was just so so great yeah all right so i see you have a link here on your watch list Jaime. yeah i think the episode that i was out you guys mentioned the disco episode where tilly was running around uh with the other cadets as part of the command training program and she had a, a slightly different uh shirt that says disco but it has the ctp uh command training program logo on it and it's it's gold instead of silver or white i think the disco was it's there gold yeah yeah yep and it's it's available for for purchase on on the store for what is this twenty six ninety nine U S yeah surprisingly I, I was going to put that link in the show because that's where I that's where I found out what the shirt was called because I, I did go over there immediately after I saw it and see if they would have it in their swag because of course they were selling the disco shirts from last year right, as well at one point in time they were selling the uh, the women's shirt for like five dollars at one store hmm. so I guess they were that popular overstocked <laughs> yeah cool I don't have anything on my phone watch list this week I, I guess I could say I've been watching the man in high castle oh how's um, that um, uh have you not watched it no, it's been on my to-do list for a while. I, 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 we talked about it, in a, I think, maybe last episode. The Amazon Prime stuff is always on my, I'll get to that list, but I never yeah, think to just to like fire to, it up yeah. and, and run, because the Marvelous Miss Maisel, Man in the High Castle, and American Gods are, have all been on my, I should watch that list. It's interesting. It's an interesting, I'm, like on, I'm on the 10th episode of season one, um, and it, so it's like, it's basically, it's it's a, a future world or a world where uh, Germany, Germany and Japan won the war. Yep. So America is now occupied by Jap- Japan, and so it takes place in San Francisco, and so that's occupied by Japan. And you know the Germans are all dressed as in Nazi insignia, and the boys, the kids are all in the in the the uh, Hitler Youth and all that kind of stuff. And um, the Japanese are particularly nasty, and of course there's Japanese gangs as well in in the uh, in the plot as well. And um, it's about these people who are trying to these you know, Americans who are trying to figure out what what some they're trying to unravel a mystery, and they're trying to figure. 
out what's going on. And there's sort of a neutral zone that they meet up, meet up with each other. And there's sort of, there's all kinds of different people playing different roles where some people are, you know, uh, you know, there's a, a Nazi person who's, who's pretending to be just a regular American Joe and he's, but he's not really, uh, there's, you know, the, one of the stars of the show is, is an, a Nazi commander, but it's all, it's all German, um, uh, I had to look up the names to sort of to translate what they are. Like there's like the the, the Führer, there's the Oberführer, and there's Ober something Führer, which is like so like it's like senior leader leader I guess is Führer, and then senior leader, and then there's like uh, over senior leader kind of thing in typical German fashion. Of course, there's 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 times when they're speaking Japanese with English subtitles, and then they switch to when it's just two of them in the room, they switch to English, which is easier to follow. All the Germans are all the Germans who speak to each other in German are speaking German with English subtitles. So uh, you'll find that interesting, John, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, it's funny because what they say on the screen is not what they say in the in the, uh, in the translation exactly, you know. No, I love playing that game. It's, it is handy speaking another language sometimes to uh, yeah, so, see what they're actually saying. So I, I've gotten to the 10th episode, and I kind of have a theory about what the, the subplot of the story is because now there's been a reveal in the ninth episode, and you're kind of going, wait, that doesn't make sense with what's going on here. So, so there's a kind of um, I'm, I'm kind of I have suspicions about where where the uh, what what the story is. We haven't you know ten episodes in. We haven't you know spoilers. We haven't hit the man in the high castle yet. But yeah, hmm. I have a theory about who that is too. But we'll we'll have to wait till season two, I guess, to see who that is. But uh, I think it was on three seasons. I think there's a fourth season coming out. So I don't, I don't know. Right. If I fourth seen fourth it. and final season is right. was announced by Amazon. Have you seen any of it? Or I know Mark uh, on More Than Just Code is. Speaks highly of this show. I've only seen maybe five or six episodes of the first season, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that'll have to be one to loop back around. Especially since there's an end in sight. If they're going to do, you know, <laughs> only four seasons, it's like, all right, like you, you don't have to feel it. All right, is this, this going to be like Naruto, where there's like a million yeah. episodes and it's like a twenty-year sort of saga? Yeah, I hope it doesn't get to like a like a Mister Robot kind of thing. Like Mister Robot should have ended after one season because the the reveal in that one was so cool. Mm-hmm. But now, but now they have to wrap it up, and you know, and, and the other seasons kind of dragged on now that you know the, the the vehicle behind you know one of the main characters right so yeah so but if you haven't watched Mr. Robot go watch that that's another thing on the watch list yeah and I say I say power through because I I agree with Tim that it, if you wrap it up as a, a, a mini series essentially just a one season series um maybe it it's greatness I was kind of down on season two but I do believe that season three completely changes my opinion of season two and redeems oh, really? it okay yeah uh, the point taken still that it it probably fits better as a singular season, but I can see some hope for season four of like, oh, okay, I can see where they might be able to wrap it all up. Yeah, there's another movie which I can't mention because it'll give away the the twist in Mr. Robot that was a single movie and it was great. That yeah, way, right? there, there is a movie that is a great comparison, but uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that once the final season's done and and people have hit the uh, expectation that they've seen it by now. Yeah, in the end, Mr. Robot, you know, grabs the microphone and starts jumping across the stage and singing. <laughs> <laughs> Things his way to Academy Award. So, what do you think about the Oscars? That's next. This is coming up. So, by the time this hits the streets, this Sunday will be uh, the Oscars coming up. Um, what do you think about What do you think about Black Panther's chances? I don't think they have a chance in hell. And Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm actually surprised at how many awards they've won already. But uh, is that because it's the demographic who are making the voting that are you know Queen fans and they're going to see this one through? Because you know, um, A Star Is Born, which is supposed to be the big you know big you 
know, hero piece for, for um, uh, what's her name? Lady Gaga, you know, it isn't happening. Although I hear Lady Gaga is going to be singing with uh, Bradley Cooper live on the show on Sunday. So And Queen's supposed to be there, too. I heard that just yeah, this week, Yeah, they're opening right? the show with Adam Lambert, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder so what song they'll sing. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking that. I was thinking, are they going to do Bohemian Rhapsody? That's like still a seven-minute song. Well, they kind of <clears> sort of have to because isn't, isn't that the song from the movie that, like, don't they have a song from every movie or whatever? I heard uh, they dropped a couple of awards too, right? Uh, no, they didn't drop the awards. They were going to not broadcast them, but apparently they backed that backed off that. They were they were going to show not show four of them because of time, but they apparently have backed oh. off and said they're going to actually oh, really? show okay. them. Okay, okay. Like costuming and cinematography or something like that, right? Yeah, there was, I think there was four of them. They said they were going to just show them during the commercial breaks because of trying to keep things moving along and keeping it tight or whatever i think just cutting out by not having a host and cutting out some of the ridiculous banter i think that'll keep it you know some of the little bits they do and stuff that cuts like half hour off the show right there so well they're gonna have have to have some sort of mc or whatever right uh no apparently it's basically just it's gonna be like an introductory voice you know ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the stage that's it it's just gonna be like then one or two people come out at a time and they sort of chit chat make a little joke and then they do the category and hopefully that keeps it moving so i don't know i kind of miss Billy Crystal. Yeah, there's there's been some good ones and there's been some bad ones. I, I you know, I get why you you know, the backlash against Kevin Hart. I mean, you know, some of the comments were not great from his previous routines and such, but um, you know, it is a weird thing. I don't I like I can't remember this ever happening in, in the time that I've been watching the Oscars. So it'll be interesting to see if it makes it better or worse or or indifferent. Um but Well, it's funny, I mean, like the the whole thing with the Oscars in the last couple of years is all this this, you know, uh politically incorrect or politically correct correct you know correction of all stuff that we've known has been going on forever like, yeah you know yeah that's the sad part about it well you know so once again why you go back and start deleting your old tweets so uh what is so what's it, what are your predictions for uh best picture black panther black klansman bohemian rhapsody the favorite roma green book star is born or vice See, I kind of, t- kind of tend to. I haven't seen Roma, but I, I that may be. But uh, the other one, I, I, I kind of would like to see maybe the favorite get it. I haven't seen the favorite, but I, I'm interested in watching that one. Yeah, I'd be putting my money on uh, Roma because it's, um, it's already won awards for like Golden Globes and um, People's Choice and, and a whole bunch of other things. Um, but the Oscars is a weird thing. A pair of teeth could actually, could actually win the whole thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, again, we get into the the, the different categories. To best actor, obviously, uh, Remy Malik, as we talk about for, for playing uh, really? uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is nominated for Best Actor. I know, but then so is so is um, um, Cheney, uh, who Christian Cheney. Bale. Yep, Christian Christ- Bale. Who was and- like amazing. Like I, I looked, I've only seen the the trailer, but I had no idea that was Christian Bale. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that category plays out. Those seem to be the two sort of uh, favorites, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how that plays out. Who else is in leading leading actor? Uh, so it's Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, Willem. Dafoe Foe for At Eternity's Gate, Remy Malik for Bohemian Rhapsody, and Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. Right, it could be. Well, I haven't seen I haven't seen the Van Gogh movie, but it could be that one too, right? Yeah, that's gotten a lot of. He's uh, been passed talk. over a few times, right? Yeah, yeah. So that'll be an interesting one. And Best Actress is, uh, is another weird one. Um, Best Actress. So this is the category. So Yelitsa Aparatio for Roma. She's the star of, of Roma, obviously. Glenn Close for The Wife. Olivia Coleman for The Favorite. Lady Gaga for Star Is Born, and Melissa. McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? It's an 
and a very eclectic and very different mix of of actresses. Yeah, well, I, I just I, I think Glenn, Glenn Close is probably a right in for that one. I mean, like she's she won it, she won the Golden Globe, and she, I think she's won a couple of other things too, right? For that portrayal. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Usually, somewhere in their Oscar voters will sort of kowtow to the public will. The question is, where does that fall this year? Is it Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born? Is it Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born? Is it you know like where is that sort of throw a bone at the popular film uh, vote. You think they do that? I don't know. I, I it, Often it seems to be. It, sometimes it only happens at the sort of best supporting level. They'll sort of throw in one of those, oh, people like this one or that actor has earned it, I think is another sentiment yeah, that sort of comes yeah. up. Um, yep. You know, I, I think for best supporting actor, he's already won an Oscar, obviously, but um, Sam Rockwell playing George W. for Vice as well. Hmm. Like, hmm. what a bang on performance that looks like. So, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and again, there's, you know, there's some good ones in here, too. Your best director is is a, an interesting category. Alfonso Corona, of course, who's won previously uh, for Roma. Yorgos Latimos for uh, The Favorite. Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Adam McKay for Vice. And Pavel Pawlowski for Cold War. Um, Spike Lee, never been nominated before. You know, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he wins that. I, I honestly, I can't imagine it's not Alfonso Corona for Roma, just based on everything that I know about the way the Oscars work. Um, you yeah. know, but it'll be interesting. I, honestly, I was I could not believe it when I heard that that was the first time that Spike Lee had been nominated. Yeah, no way. Surprising. I, I mean, it's, it's staggering. I mean, I, I've seen Black Landsman and I've seen probably a half a dozen at least of his previous movies. Black Landsman is a really good movie, but it's not his best movie. You know, how do you not get nominated for Do the Right Thing or Malcolm X or, you know, like there's so many other great movies. It's staggering that this is the first time he's ever been nominated for Best Director. So, I mean, sometimes they do they do that sort of... It's the make should have won it before. Yeah, like like when... when um, oh, what's his name that did uh, Lord of the Rings? Oh, Peter Jackson. Yeah, Peter Jackson. He got it for the third <laughs> movie, right? So yeah, which is not the best of the movies, right? Yeah, and it, again, Leo DiCaprio won for The Revenant, and The Revenant is not the best movie that he's made over the last fifteen years. He won that as a director or an actor? <clears throat> no, that was his best actor. He'd been nominated for like oh. five previous Oscars for best actor, but he's better in like he's better in Wolf of Wall Street. He's better in The Aviator. He's better in like so many other roles that he didn't win for. Yeah, yeah. But then he wins for The Revenant because they were like, okay, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it should be should be an interesting uh, an interesting event because it doesn't seem like I mean I've only seen you know four or five of the movies that are nominated as far as you know the top ones here so it'll be interesting to sort of see how they play out I'm hoping they'll all sort of start showing up on the movie networks or, or Netflix so I can catch up on them but uh, sure yeah mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. what I'm most curious about is the best animated feature because I have seen um, several of these movies and I really enjoyed them so Incredibles two Isle of Dogs Spider Man into the Spider Verse Ralph breaks the internet and Mirai, which is a Japanese one. Um, I couldn't get into Isle of Dogs. I don't know. Maybe I was watching on a plane or something, but it just didn't. I couldn't just get into it. It's too much of a, uh, an Anderson film. Is that it's no, too Anderson? No, it, it, it's got a work. fantastic oh. Mr. Fox feel to it. It does. I love his work, but still. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. I thought it was good. Uh, certainly not his best. I'm not as big a fan of his animated uh, pictures as I am of his actual films uh, or live action films, I should say. Um, but I did think that was a good movie. And I, I mean, the attention to detail, he's still the way he composes shots, the way that it all comes together is still so, he's such just a beautiful filmmaker. His films are so gorgeous to look at. Um, And to Mm -hmm. see that done at that detail with uh, stop motion animation, it's breathtaking. Well, maybe it was a 10-inch screen at the little, on on the uh, airplane that was the problem, right? Come over to my place and watch it on the the, uh, 4K (laughs) on the big screen here. It's it's very nice. 
Um, you know, my favorite of those by far was um, was the Spider-Man movie. I, I think that is the, the most original. Oh, is that inter- in, in Spider-Man into the in, in Spider-Verse is nominated? Nominated for Best Animated Picture. And, and honestly, oh. uh, while the other ones I think are good, and I, I can't say I've seen Mirai, but uh, it was one of the most imaginatively done animated pictures I've seen in years. It was, it was not... Like, Incredibles was great, but it was... It looked the same. It didn't take me anywhere different, whereas the animation style, the effects, everything for Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse was so different and so dynamic. I, I think it was just the best picture in, in that, hands down. What do you think, Hummy, of all the stuff? I have not seen Into the Spider-Verse, so I can't give it um, a fair rating, but just given the buzz around it, yeah, it, yeah. it does seem like it's it's probably a shoe-in. I mean, there's no no slouch in this category. Uh, I think Mariah is probably the one I'm the least familiar with. Um yeah, I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be into the Spider Verse, and I think it'll be good that the category isn't. And Pixar released a film, <laughs> gets the Oscar. You know, um, I mean, no ding on Pixar, but it is kind of nice to see that there are other studios who are producing stuff that can like truly um, outmatch something that they might put out in any given year. Right. Right. Cool. All right, well, I think we better wrap it up. Um, so, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right, and Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you? I am on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right, and I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on most of the socials. So, it's, but Twitter is the best place to get a hold of me. And so, until next week, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Take off, eh? Take off, eh? Yeah, good, good on you. <laughs> If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. the last parting question. I apologize if I brought it up and I just forgot the answer. Have either of you two seen um, uh, The Masked Singer? No. Oh, I've heard about it. I saw yeah, a I, clip from it earlier today because uh, Weird it's Al. It's different people though, right? Weird Al was on it, I guess, last night or something. Was he the singer or the judge? The singer. Oh, really? Oh, well. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Is, but but they've had, they have different singers every time, Jaime? They started out with, with like eight to ten. I forget how many they were. Um, yeah. They're they're coming up on the the finale pretty soon here I think and each week um it, it, so they had them all sing in like you know two promo sort of episodes and mm-hmm. then whoever the loser is gets revealed they have mm-hmm. to like reveal who they are and and through the show they have segments where they they give a little like okay here's some teasing hints about who I could be mm-hmm. and then the judges have to try to figure it out uh, just you know for fun and then you could try to figure it out from like you know the way they sound.
milestone or additional hints that they drop as they go through each round. So, so do they? So they get? So do they get? Do they become a loser if the person, can, if the judge can figure out who they are? No, it's it's based on um, like I think the audience voting, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, okay. So was yeah. one, one of them Don Donnie Osmond and stuff like that, or there there's uh, not what I've seen revealed so far, but there um, there have been uh, different kinds of celebrities. You okay, know, uh, people who are actors, people oh, who I see, are right, right. athletes, um, people who are like professional legit singers. singers. Um, it, it it varies, and it, it's I've figured out three only so far. So my, my record's not so good because it was like, what, 10, I think. Um, some of these what? just have me completely stumped. And, and listening to the judges is entertaining because sometimes they have really good thoughts and sometimes they just have completely dumb thoughts about who it could be. So it, it's probably more fun to watch like with somebody else who might be into it. So like, all right, who do you think it is? No, yeah. that's crazy. I think it's this other person. Yeah. So how, what channel is it on or what TV show is it on? Or? I want to say it's Fox. I have to look it up. Like on, on regular TV. I use YouTube TV, so I don't even oh. really know. <laughs> Or okay. care what channels things come right. out on, so I, right. I apologize, but I, I believe it is a Fox right. property. Huh. I have to double check. Interesting. It may not be a Fox. It might be like an NBC property. Mm-hmm. But set your set your PVRs, and you too can join the fun. Mm-hmm. And the the costumes are are really great. I'm, I'm impressed with how much money they spent, uh, as opposed to like the Korean version, which apparently this is based on. Which kudos to the the art department because they're really creative with what they do. Mm-hmm. But there's like nowhere near the amount of money. It's like construction paper and foam <laughs> as opposed to the American one. They they clearly got people who know how to create costumes. Hmm. Yeah, they look like they're wearing mascot costumes, like they're they're really quite ornate. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the Korean one where it's like you can see their body and they've got their face covered with like a foam core sort of mask. And sometimes the masks are like really, you know, okay, it's pretty basic. It's, you know, this one's a grasshopper. This one's an ant. Okay. And then sometimes it's like, what the hell? Is is that person a dishwasher? <laughs> I mean, that's a crazy mask. Uh, so it's got that aspect to it on the Korean version, but clearly the budget is way higher uh, on the American version. Cool. So just, uh, I'll leave you guys to that. Let you turn to pumpkins, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just reading, I'm reading the Wikipedia notes on uh, Harry Nilsson. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, he was quite prolific, surprisingly. Yeah. Hey, watch Russian Doll. You won't get that song out of your head. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been listening to that song my whole life. So there you go. For those of you who, I guess, just saw it for the first time via Russian Doll. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ciao. All right. Thanks, right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save